0: Did you kind of know, did you have the vision right from the very beginning that you wanted something big? No,
1: it just happened organically. It was as I started to reestablish my life, I needed to make more money. Right. It was because I needed to work more and I needed to support my children who were at the age where dance and gymnastics were coming up. And the idea of $200 a month for gymnastics, I was like, that's... Mm-hmm. Unheard of. Like, who can afford that? Um, and things like, like, it just wasn't something I could budget unless I worked harder.
0: Welcome to Sincerely Future You, a podcast that helps ambitious women like you make decisions today with the future you in mind. Okay. Welcome, Jean Marie, to Sincerely Future You. Hi. So excited. Yay. I know for those of you who, I, I think for the past couple of weeks, I've been mentioning that you should hop over to YouTube and just see how cute we look. We always joke about how Jean Marie is like the earth tones to my gemstones, <laughs> um, I we did just come up with that on the spot, but really, it's like, it's so funny how polar opposite we are in terms of our fashion sense. But actually, when it comes to uh, what we're passionate about, we have so much in common. And I needed to introduce you to Jean Marie, not just the CEO and founder of Short to Short Cleaning, but the human being, because anyone that meets her knows that you just want to bet on her she's the type of person that when she says she's gonna go after something you really really believe it and I think your story uh really lends to that so why don't you just give the audience like everybody take a deep breath because you're about to be introduced to one of the biggest roller coaster emotions lead up to a successful business that I personally, know of. And I, I want you guys to really just know that if you're in a place where you feel like you're at rock bottom or you are, have your back up against the wall or that nobody's in your corner, there are people who are blazing the trails for you. And Jean Marie is one of those people. So Jean Marie, why don't you just tell everybody a little about who you are and what led you to, what was the path that led you to becoming an entrepreneur?
1: All right. So, um, I own Shortshare Cleaning. We, the company's been in existence about seven and a half years now, eight years. But, um, to get there, um, I guess the, the beginning, like the grit of it comes from being homeless and being in a financial, like experiencing financial hardship and getting to a point of like desperation. And I remember not being able to go food shopping for my kids. And I remember not knowing where I was gonna sleep some nights. And uh, I was battling my own personal things and um, I have addiction issues and alcoholism in my past. And so I got sober and part of my journey through sobriety was I'm never going to be in that position again. Like no matter what, I'm never going to put myself in that position again. And um, I had this maybe unhealthy, maybe healthy fear of being homeless. Right. And I was like, that won't happen. And that was my driving force getting into business. It's not anymore. And it's really cool how that's evolved over time. But a big of the one of the biggest driving forces was my fear of ever being homeless again. So I got sober and I got a job and I was working at Dunkin Donuts a million hours, like a million hours. They almost wanted to put me on salary because <laughs> I was working so much. And uh, oh my God. I saw this woman come in who worked for a cleaning company. I was like, hey, I have some experience if your boss ever needs help. So about a week later, the boss comes in and says, we need help one day. Can you do it? Talked to my boss. I got off for the day and I went and worked with her. I was like, this is cool i since i was little i always found like solace i think that's the word in cleaning like it always brought me peace um so
0: maybe it's kind of like people say doing the dishes right is very therapeutic i don't agree with those people (laughs) but people say that (laughs) i think it's
1: amazing i grew up in chaos kind of Mm. my mom had a stroke when i was younger so it she wasn't a clean person to begin with, but the side effect of the stroke was when she put things down, they kind of had to stay there mm-hmm. and she leaves a trail everywhere she goes. So there was stuff everywhere she went. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I always found that piece in the cleaning and the organizing and the decluttering and stuff like that. So the cleaning aspect was always something that I had a passion for anyway, and I found comfort in. So I started cleaning for this woman And I eventually transitioned from working a million hours at Dunkin' Donuts to becoming her first full-time employee and using my downtime to try to market and promote and grow her business, only to see that she didn't want to grow beyond a certain point. I wanted her company to grow more than she did. So uh, I then took my efforts and I started building my own client base. And when was this?
0: Early 2015. Okay. So in 2015, paint the picture, you'd been working at Dunkin' Donuts. You'd been going through the steps of recovery and you now had two children. I had my two daughters. Yeah. Two
1: I, daughters, ju- I got tested yeah. them and... back in 2014. Um, Cause they were with their dad for a while. And then 2014, I got them back. And uh, 2015, I think November, 2014 was my first solo cleaning account. 2015, I got a second one in January. And then over the next 10 months, I grew to like have like 10 accounts or 12 accounts that I cleaned on my own
0: on top of working for her. And was this like when you were taking on these accounts, did you kind of know, did you have the vision right from the very beginning that you wanted something big? No. Or was it something that just kind of kept happening organically? It
1: just happened organically. It was as I started to reestablish my life, I needed to make more money Mm -hmm. is what it was. Like originally, I went into this Mm -hmm. because I wasn't making enough money for her. That's why I wanted to grow her business, not because I wanted her to be successful. If I'm 100% honest, it was because I needed to work more and I needed to support my children. Who were at the age where dance and gymnastics were coming up, and the idea of two hundred dollars a month for gymnastics, I was like, that's Mm -hmm. unheard of. Like, who can afford that? Um, And things like like, it just wasn't something I could budget unless I worked harder.
0: Yeah. So in the beginning, it kind of started as a grind. I know. We talked about that a lot, especially with our entrepreneurs, where in the very beginning, kind of especially on the road to your first 50K or your first six figures, you're really just kind of accepting any money that comes your way because the process of making money builds your confidence, teaches you a lot about what works, what doesn't. You go through so much failure in that process. And I think that too often because entrepreneurship is on social media and it's like on blast. People look at these people that have further along businesses, maybe like the one that you have today or the one that I have today, and they want to skip over that part where you're just kind of like, okay, one client, the next client, picking it up like on that grind, not that I recommend that everybody has to work the amount of hours that probably you and I both did when you first started, but yeah, it's going to be more time in the beginning. And I think, I, I don't know about you, but it sounds like, did you, did you have a website? Did you have an LLC? Did you have like all of these other things in the very beginning? Some of it I did actually. Um,
1: I was very, mm-hmm. you know, like how you set a plan and when it's right, the universe just aligns for you. That is mm-hmm. my story. I opened the DBA. Like I said, a couple things happened that October. Um, I left Kathy with a four-month plan. We started in June. I said, come the end of your busy season, we're gonna part ways. And she supported me. Um, I went and opened the DBA in every account that we canceled. And I was like, <gasps> right? Like, did I make the wrong decision? And I'll never forget a friend of mine. We talked on the phone, and he's like, I'm not going to make fun of his voice right now, but it's because I'm funny about it. But he basically said like, God didn't bring you this far to drop you. He goes in a year from now, like hang tight a year from now, you're going to have so much work. You're not going to know what to do. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't know how I'm paying for my car insurance next week. Like I have nothing. I went to the Mm. store with $50 to home Depot. I borrowed a vacuum, spent $50 on cleaning supplies. And I was driving in a car that didn't have heat or air conditioning. And like, it was rough, but the things mm-hmm. that aligned were I was like I started doing digging for an ad in Penny Saver, and the woman that was like one of the editors, she reached out to me. She goes, "I'm looking for a cleaning company. Why don't we set up a barter?" I sh- I don't know if this should be recorded or not, but it's cool. I tell the story all the time. Um, <laughs> she goes, "Why don't we set up a barter? Like you can clean my house and I'll post the ads in the paper for you." And I was like, "Great! This is a wonderful opportunity." so i set up the estimate to go look at her house on for good faith or whatever it is she posts my ads like in the penny saver in three different towns cancels the estimate i never meet her she runs ads for a year like big ads not even like a little blurb like half page ads in the penny saver for a year i never paid for any of it like and it ju- it oh. built the business and got the ball rolling because people are like, oh, here's an established cleaning company. I was like, I have five accounts and I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then my uncle who saw where I was like being homeless and being a, a mess and stuff like that. And like having watched me start to put my life back together, was so proud of my decision to be an entrepreneur. He built out an entire website for me and was like here surprise i have a gift for you. And uh so that made me look more legitimate than i actually was. And between that and the ad, people are like, oh look at this company and they're going to this great ad and i don't i don't know anything about business.
0: I just want to be more I familiar. think it's so interesting. You keep saying like, oh more legit than i actually was and i just want to question that thought. I mean, Our thoughts are what create our results, right? And ultimately, I wonder at what point did you start to believe that you were legit? And are there parts of you that still is like, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still not legit enough or where I want to be or not as legit as maybe someone that you're a mentor, business owner that you look up to, right? Does that still happen? Is that imposter syndrome still a thing? Absolutely. Um, it's, it gets better the more work I do on accepting who I am,
1: but it all ties Mm. to my own personal self-worth and not feeling good enough in any aspect across the board. And as I work on that, it reflects in my business.
0: I just want everyone who's listening to you, because I think that your story is so relatable because I mean, in our first year of business, I, I, think we don't talk about enough how not legit we feel. And so I watch people take these actions to try and prove their legitimacy through other means of getting X number of followers before they go out and really become visible or they need like a website or if they have a website, it needs to be better and it needs to be cleaner and it needs to be more professional and they need to you know, have their LLC and their their everything before they are willing to market themselves in any way. And I just want to offer to you that Jean Marie at that stage of five accounts was no less legit than she is right now. Like truly in order to start a business and to get that next account, you always, you're your skill set is always going to be one step behind the opportunity that you should be going for always because you're not going to be qualified for the next best thing and you have to lean on that future version of you like you said that that friend of yours that was that wise little voice in your ear being like a year from now future you is going to have more business than you know what to do with and I know you said you didn't believe him, but there was, was there a part of you that was like, maybe like, you must've believed it was possible. No. No. So what kept you going then? If you didn't believe that it was possible, it was just survival uh, instincts.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a lot of my journey wasn't planned. I mean, I don't know if anybody Mm -hmm. else's is, but um, like the, the, the pushing force or the driving force from being a one person show with help on the side to Mm -hmm. leveling up was getting pregnant. You created, you Mm. planned a maternity leave. I didn't, I was like, I'm going to have this baby in two weeks. We'll be at work, right? Like two weeks. That's, Mm -hmm. that is what I'm giving this. And the end of my pregnancy, my doctor's like, no, you're on bed rest, by the way. Um, The baby's going to die if you don't stop. So slow down. You can't work. I still went and walked around jobs all day. I just didn't clean. Um, And then my son was born with medical issues. So I didn't clean for seven months when the company was a year old. The company was 13 months old when I went out of work. And for seven months, I didn't clean. And it forced me to have to begin to learn how to be a business
0: owner. Hmm. So tell us about that. So what was the difference? I mean, I think a lot of I know you mentioned that I planned maternity leave, which I'm so proud of this time around, but with my son, yeah. I did not. Like, right? My son is six. There's a reason why there's such a huge gap between <laughs> my son and my daughter because I had no idea how to run a business with a kid. And I was in that survival mode fight or mm-hmm. flight, figure it out as a single mom thing. And we'll talk about that too. But Now, once you're in this position where you've been like back up against the wall again and you said that fear was kind of a primary driving emotion for you, but at this point, the fear is shifting to something else where it's like, I have to be able to take care of my family And I need to slow down or not necessarily slow down, but I need to shift the way that I'm operating. So what changed and what what did you have to look at differently?
1: Um, Staffing. Like that
0: was having to develop people skills. Mm -hmm. So at that point, did you have like you had some you said some help on the side, but you didn't really have a, a full time uh staff no
1: I had one girl who helped me and um when I got pregnant I was like okay I need a second person because I need two people we're two people I need two people by the time I got by the time I gave birth I think I had four people working for me um so that way we could Mm -hmm. rotate the days off it was only one crew but I had four employees and um we were a hot mess to put it very nicely hot mess but we got it done somehow we got it done and um it was just like that grit got deeper and i just had to like really dig in and be like what is it gonna take because i I unknowingly developed the mindset at that point that failure is not an option and if i fail i'm just learning a way to grow um, and I like I, I made that failure bucket pretty in my head, more or less. Right. Like, it's OK. Yeah. We're not failing. It's not a failure. This didn't work. That person doesn't work. We're going to we're going to make this work somehow. And um, I don't know how the company stayed standing through that, but it did. And I learned invaluable lessons from it.
0: It's so good because I know you mentioned just like flipping the script and the word failure, right? You're like, okay, I failure was unacceptable in your brain because you couldn't because like you said, you were in survival mode and fight or flight. But I think the truth is I've done similar thing with failure. I just still call it that word. I just have a different relationship with the word than other people do. And I, I know that a lot of my clients, including my producer, had a... I struggle with the word failure collection. She was just like, I'm not interested in this. Like, why would I go towards failure collection? And the analogy that I made that really stuck for her was working out. And she was like a big time college athlete. And I was like, think of it like um, if you're at the gym and you're doing a set and you want to fatigue, like you want to max out is the words that we use. And she was like, Okay, now it's attractive to me. Like now, I want to max out because when you're maxing out, you're getting to that place where you no longer really have a, have maybe the qualifications, the skill set, the know-how, the experience, the um, even the the. Att- like you said, the grit, like maybe it even runs out in that moment. And then the next day you're like, oh, but I didn't die. And you said that grit just deepened, that resiliency deepens within you. And I think it's so amazing for our listeners to hear another example of someone who really just kind of felt like, mm, I don't know how we're going to do this. And it's not going to be pretty. And it wasn't mm-hmm. pretty. But yeah, it <laughs> all got done. Like it all got done. So I know you said you learned a lot of invaluable lessons. Could you tell us like one example of something that kind of like really didn't go the way that you planned or didn't work out, but then ended up giving you more insight into how to handle things in the future? So
1: this was a very long lesson learned. (laughs) Uh, Holding (laughs) on to people that aren't going to catapult the company forward Mm. because of a personal obligation or emotional tie or whatever, that came from that because there was people that they were willing to do whatever I asked of them. And I still thank them today for what they did And I will never Mm -hmm. forget that or discredit them, but they weren't healthy. People or healthy for the company. And it Mm. from that, like the biggest lesson was over and over again, hitting a wall with the culture and the attitude and the energy. And one of them, it took me years to finally like break away from. I remember I would get anxious driving to the office knowing that they were here. And I would avoid yeah. this person. And I'm like, but they show up. But the company's not going to grow if I'm anxious every time I go to show up at work because this person's around. Because I, I just feel their energy. If they drive past them to this day. I love her. I love her. And I won't speak bad about her. She has is, is a yeah. lot of amazing qualities. But within the company, it wasn't healthy.
0: This is so important time and time again. I think, you know, especially within the coaching industry, it can be confusing because we're like, manage your mind, manage your thoughts. And you're like, can I just manage my mind around my anxiety about showing up and having to engage with an employee every day? But at the end of the day, it's not just managing your mind. There are some circumstances that are going to require a lot more like time and energy then might be worth and you always have to look on the return on investment with whether it's with an employee or whether it's with you know a a contractor and what got you here might not be getting you there and i think that that's where we always go back to that really high quality question of am i being more loyal to my past business and my past self, or am I going to be more loyal to the future of the company? And being loyal to your future does not mean, like you said, that we're just discrediting all of the great things that got uh, our business here and that could include an employee, but it just, they might just not be a a fit and that doesn't have to be personal, but it still is emotional. So like, what was the, uh, how I, cause it sounds like you have still like good thoughts and emotions towards this person. So how are you able to kind of get a control and a handle over your own emotions to separate that business isn't personal, but it is emotional.
1: I I just always thank her for getting me where I am. And the one thing that I don't think this goes in line with your answer, but it's what comes to mind is Mm. um, like when it just that continuously hearing that the people who get you to year five, aren't the people that get you to year 10 and coming to terms with that. And, um, because it's it's not all rainbows and butterflies between me and this person sometimes um, mm-hmm. that's for other reasons, but I still always like I know I would not be where I am if they didn't show up when they did like for me for the company sure. in the ways that they did and I will like that, that I will never forget and um I can never take that away from that person, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of the answer that you gave without giving it is like you your work wasn't just to make yourself feel better about it your work was to feel shitty about it and stay loyal to your business anyway and i think that that is actually the harder hardest work for us as business owners all of the time is it's like oh i i actually i feel really uncomfortable doing this webinar. And it's like, your work isn't to make yourself feel really awesome about getting in front of the camera. Your work is to feel shitty and then go do the webinar. Right? And as a business owner, a lot of the time, our work is just to feel the negative emotion so that we can progress. And then when you do that, when you get to the other side of whether it's a firing or a hiring or investing or doing something that makes you want to throw up and your business doesn't completely fall apart or you re- you realize, oh, wow, I-, I feel lighter. I have more time. I have more energy. The whole business structure is functioning differently. Then you get to like make peace with the process of, of feeling negative emotion having to be a required part of the journey of getting to that next level of being a business Absolutely. owner.
1: Absolutely. It's on a personal level, I call them like the emotional growing pains. And that's basically yeah. what it is in business. It's it's a business growing pain. And um embracing that discomfort and some of the discomfort I had to embrace for a lot longer than others, right? Like by choice, I chose to. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I need yeah. to continue to feel this pain for five years or four years, however long it was. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it, I now having that experience, now I'm quicker to realize things and make decisions. I'm like, nope, that's yes. cancer, right? I had to hear mm-hmm. for five years, your company's only as strong as your weakest employee over and over and over. Why isn't the company growing? Why isn't the company growing? Why if somebody comes to work, that's negative, no matter what you do, they don't have a positive thing to say. Yeah. The company's not going to yep. have a positive energy when there's that person in the mix. And there's only so much I can do towards guiding and trying to help.
0: Yeah. That's about like staying Yes, yeah, staying in your model as the business owner, being like, okay, what is my role and my job as the leader? My job is to set the culture, it's to set the standards, it's to create policies so that they know when something is or isn't acceptable. And all of that structure, even including a policy that says if you are not showing up responsible for your energy one, two, three times and I make a note of it and we've addressed it and you still haven't changed your attitude. It just isn't a good fit. That is loving. That type of structure and that type of is loving because you know what really I see a lot of my uh, clients that struggle with people pleasing, what they think is loving is actually lying it's saying to their clients, oh, no, it's fine when it's not fine and then eventually having to snap and let them go and the person feels totally blindsided because they were, were kind of being trained to think that them showing up late or whatever is the issue was kind of fine because you weren't doing anything about it. There was no consequences until all of a sudden the major consequence of being fired is there. Right. And so doing the uncomfortable thing of being honest, setting boundaries, setting policies, that is the most loving thing that we can do as business owners. And I love to see like, I for sure have watched you now be very quick to notice when it's your job to do the uncomfortable thing. So, so good. So now fast forward (laughs) a little bit, you have been, um, you've hired people, you had your son, you are now growing the business. So tell us a little bit about where you are right now and kind of how you got here. So there.
1: now uh, the company is about between 15 and 20 people. Depends on the day. Really depends on the day. Uh, I get hired three <laughs> people and lose five um, for just circumstances sometimes, not anything yeah. to do with the business. Um, but we're growing and we're servicing a large portion and the company is just like, it has a really good positive reputation all around. Um, it's been a beautiful thing and it's been a journey to be able to grow the company and learn that in the next, we're at five and a half months is my deadline. The company will be at a point because not being there isn't an option. So the company will be at a point in five and a half months where I can completely step away and I no longer will be the company. I will be the owner of a company. It will not be g is the company. Um, and that's been a very long process. I remember when I first got a CRM and I was like, all of this information's in my head. It's all in my head. Like I don't <laughs> understand how I'm going to hire office help. They can't get in my brain and some of it is still there. And it's a lot of like, you create a list and I give you answers. You create a list and I give you answers. And we just refer back to lists. And it's always referring back to lists as I'm jumping this information. Because even I can delegate certain tasks, but the other stuff is still in my head.
0: Right. Yeah. And so it's not just policies, right? It's not just procedures, but it's the... All of the data and the information that we like to do. I mean, it's the same thing with scheduling, right? If you are not creating a business that is outside of your brain, you will always feel busy. You will always feel burdened and tied down by your business, which doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. way. So, of course, in the beginning, it did have to be that way when it's just you and kind of. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that are making you excited to leave the, uh, leave the being in the business and more being the owner of the business.
1: As the owner, I get to get involved in other projects, right? So a big thing, which I think you want me to talk about is the impact that I get as a business. The leverage being a business owner gives me to do good outside of the business.
0: Um, Yes. And that's kind of how I came to know Jean Marie. So tell us some of the things that you're working on right now. And really, if those of you who are local or want to connect with her too, how they can help you with these really amazing projects
1: so some of the current projects one of the consistent ones will always be the breast cancer cleanings we clean for a few breast cancer coalitions on the island as well as donate services through cleaning for a reason which i guess they like vet cancer patients they make sure that you are actually sick and not just wanting a free cleaning Mm -hmm. Um, but they we go through cleaning for a reason where we donate services towards women who are undergoing treatment for Breast cancer cleaning. And then when we work with the coalitions, we do it for basically for cost. There's no profit. Um, They do pay us, but it's a very minimal amount um, where Mm -hmm. we do the services for women undergoing treatment for breast cancer and ovarian cancer through the local coalitions on the island. Um, That's something we've been involved in for about five years now, I think. And the other things are I'm very involved in a nonprofit that does a lot of outreach in the community. And I get involved in some of her projects that she does, whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, stuff like that. Or there's the Easter one, which is the new, the most up to date one, because that's the next one coming up. Actually, we're doing a pet supply drive. One of my employees was like, "You do all this for the kids. What about the animals?" I was like, "I got you. Don't worry." Uh, So for the month of February, we're collecting. If I opened my door, it's a sea of pet supplies on my couch right now. Oh
0: Um, my god! Food and
1: snacks, crates, blankets, toys. We have all this pet supply out, and I have to. They're like, "When are you dropping this off?" We're running out of space. but it's so cool. So I just leverage my position as a business owner. I'm like, hey, confirm your cleaning. By the way, we're doing a pet supply drive. If you have any pet supplies around your house or if you want to get involved, people like to get involved, but they don't actually like to have to do anything sometimes. So mm-hmm. we,
0: they don't want to think yeah, about so it. So we
1: give them that platform to be of service to their community where all they have to do is leave a dog treats next to the cash that they like, they're paying for the cleaning. They're like, here's sure, sure, cleaning here's pet food, right? And super easy wrapping Ah. paper, toys, things like that. So that's ways that we engage more with the clients. And then the Easter basket is more what I do with, I guess, my commercial accounts and my network of other businesses. Um, It's a project I personally actually created like two years ago. I was looking for something to do in the area, and I was like, nobody ever does Easter baskets. Like, whenever Easter comes up, you see a million Easter icons, like a million Easter icons. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's the extent. Or you can have like breakfast with the Easter Bunny. I and mean, like, no one actually does Easter baskets. And I remember having to budget that when I was out on my own, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't have sixty dollars for Easter baskets. And then you have to get dresses because I felt that I needed to dress my kids up to pretend to be more of a mom than I felt like I was, right? Like I have to make them look pretty. So they need dresses and they need Easter baskets because they have to have this experience. But I remember like having to choose and not having that be part of my budget and having to make it happen. And uh so I reached out to the local organization that I work with and I said, hey, I'm interested in building Easter baskets. Maybe we'll shoot for a hundred. Can you take them and distribute them? And she said absolutely. A friend of mine owns a restaurant. He said, Great. Uh, we're you just did really well with COVID, jean Murray. So, on top of the Easter baskets, why don't we buy a hundred hams? So, him and I went and I think it was like a thousand dollars a piece it cost us. And we bought a hundred hams and delivered a hundred hams with a hundred Easter baskets to this organization for distribution. So, that was two or three years ago. And then this year, we're doing. 400 Easter baskets, 150 hams to give out, and then another 50 hams that'll be cooked and distributed on site for families day of.
0: So they have- Uh, I just think, I mean, aside from obviously how charitable you are, I think the way that your journey has come to you being able to give back in such a way- is really important for the people that say that money and what they make and what they earn doesn't matter because i think we associate especially in america making a lot of money with spending a lot of money frivolously on random shit like on <laughs> you know a nicer car or on like you know more stuff essentially whole, and um, buying things you can't
1: afford to wait, what is it? Spending money you don't have to buy things you don't want to impress people you don't actually like. Like that is wealth in America.
0: That's what we think it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that one of my goals with helping women make more money without losing time had to do with okay, not just making more money, but we think and talk in happening sessions about money in six areas of engaging with money. And that is earning, spending, saving, investing, having, and giving. Mm -hmm. And giving money is a way of practicing engaging with money. And if you don't have money, you don't have money to give. So if you're not earning money, if you're not Saving money, if you don't have those skill sets, you are not, you don't have the capacity to give back in the way that you can. And one of my favorite things about earning more money than I ever have has been my ability to say a 100% yes to being like, oh, what do you need? 400 packs of crayons for these Easter packets. Baskets done. done. You need person to buy, buy these grass. Let me not just use my platform and my audience like followers. Isn't just to make me feel good. It's and you too, right? It's like building this network of people is so that you have a network to be able to make an impact. And you can just decide anyway. I have an idea, and it really for you now. It doesn't take that much to source and fund the ideas that you have you're like we could do 400 right i just tap into my network let's go how many people do i know whether it's your clients it's so smart like you don't even have to just look to the people that are your friends or you know your your followers but your own clients too how can you involve everybody in You're giving. It's so creative. It's so thoughtful. I just think everyone listening, I know my one client, Erica, she's a professional organizer. And when we talked about engaging with money, she was like, I've always wanted to do more with giving. But, you know, in terms of our budget for our goals for reinvesting in the business, you know, she knew that it wasn't going to be the amount that she wanted to give back. So she did it creatively and she had. All of the people that were uh, um, in her roster for November and December, she said, can I purge when I take your toys? Do you want to purge your toys? I'm going to take them and we're going to donate all of the toys that we have purge from the houses to, uh, to families for I Christmas. I love that. And I just think that when you aren't so bogged down by... The things that don't matter and by the the thoughts of am I good enough or am I growing fast enough when you can really start thinking about money in a more holistic way, it makes growing seem fun and necessary and in a way that isn't so all about us. Like we say like, oh, I want to serve, but I don't want to bother people or I don't want to come across this way but it's like well when have making an impact and when making more money and when finding more success in my business equals people having ham on easter that's gonna motivate you in a way that's way different than fear and hustle will
1: that's something that recently came about last month um because i know that i do a lot right and i the company i've been very fortunate the company's been very successful so far and it's only continuing to become more successful as time goes and i have bigger better ideas than i have ideas that eight years ago if you would have mentioned it to me i'm like you're crazy that'll never be me and now i'm like no that's gonna happen give me five years like watch where i go with this right and we didn't even get to talk about last night the the model that i want to create for future business
0: like you're going to love it. You're going to love it. We're not going to talk about it here because it's We're not going to talk about it here cuz I'm going to have Jean Marie back <laughs> on the show and we're going to talk about it, right? And I I did that with like Amanda and I've done it with like one or two people where it's like just you can sense yeah. it, it and I people don't even see you, right? They just hear your voice and there is something about your matter-of-factness and your calm and your your experience that brought you here that makes everyone believe with conviction that you are going to get what you came for. So Jean Marie (laughs) is going to be in the March class of happening sessions. So there are still a couple, very little, but a couple of spots left in the March happening sessions. So if you want to be around other entrepreneurs that think really big that are problem solving in a way that is having major impact. If you want to get out of your own way, it's the room that attracts the type of people who are making real impact and change in the world, and that could be you too. So kind of tell everybody, how did we how did you come to find me and what made you want to join happening sessions? I think that everybody has a slightly different reason and I love yours. So
1: my reasoning which i was gonna say this regardless of you asked the question in response to what you were saying anyway um it was gonna be more of like an invite of like come join us right because proximity is what matters and um jessica did a workshop in patchog like six months ago now and i saw her and i was like she is somebody i want in my circle i want to be her friend (laughs) and uh so I found I was I found her on social media. I started looking at her stuff. I realized what she was coaching. I saw some of the material and I was like I want not only do I want to be her friend, I want to support her business and I want to learn the emotional intelligence around money because that's how I view it. Like you look at money from an emotionally intelligent standpoint. It's not an area where I'm at sometimes. I still even though I make very big financial decisions lately, right? <laughs> I still get to the point of I'm going to be broken homeless, right? It still comes up. does it come up yeah. nearly as much as it used to. No, but it still is a feeling that every once in a while, like I'll get the electric bill and it's a hundred dollars more than it was. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be homeless in a month. I can't afford this. Like, yeah.
0: it's I mean, but that's a real thing that comes up. And honestly, the work that I've done in coaching even with my own coaches it's very similar the type of stress and i think as a single mom we didn't really talk too much about it but like as a single mom the both of us like when it's when it's you that has to make sure that 100% of the bills are paid and it's on you there's just a different type of pressure that the human brain responds to in a very reactive way rather than responsive. And it requires more work to get you back down to neutral, your nervous system response and to like regulate it. It takes years to really get back. It happens.
1: And I go you're not going to be broken homeless. You know how to run a business. Like at the end of the day, even if my company disappeared today, I have the skill set to start a new company all over again and regenerate everything I've generated. Cause I've learned that. And that like, nobody can ever take that from me. You can empty my bank accounts, take all of my belongings, all of my assets, and I will still be able to get back on my feet in days because I know how to do it now so good and um but the whole jessica thing like i want to be around powerhouse women and that's how i view you i think you are a force to be reckoned with and i want you i wanted jessica to be part of my circle right i don't know if i say like third person or not because we're recording to the, uh, an audience but
0: <laughs> i want there's no you rules to be in part the of my
1: circle podcast
0: yeah. And you know what? I feel the same way about you. And I think that that's really important to mention. There are different types of coaching groups and masterminds. And this isn't a mastermind. It is a coaching space where I am, uh, you know, a certified coach that is coaching everyone. However, I'm what I'm trained to do is to hold space for everyone. I'm not holding myself at a higher regard than anyone at all. I am take inspiration and insight from every single one of my clients. We're all just business owners together figuring it out. Maybe I'm a couple of steps ahead of some people in some areas, but in some areas I'm not. In some areas even there are clients of mine that have are making more revenue. That is not the point of a coach, right? The point of a coach is is someone who knows how to hold space and to help you get Expose your own thoughts to yourself so that you can see how you are either on the path to creating everything that you want or blocking yourself so that you can get out of your own way. One of my
1: biggest and that- breakthroughs that I've ever had in coaching is something that, like along those lines, it was having to um increase my prices. And the idea of that made me so uncomfortable. And like somebody pointing out, like, it's all a matter of your own personal self-worth, like do more esteemable things and you'll feel more worthy of raising your prices in your business. And that's not something I would have ever pulled out on my own if somebody didn't give me that space to let me mm-hmm. like turn the mirror on my thought process and be like, oh, that's really what it is. Um and then now I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I, this is going from like $32.50 to $37 an hour. Now I call clients. call like, it's $55 an hour. And if you're in certain areas, I'm charging you 60 $65 an hour. Cause I know my own value as a business owner. And I know my value mm-hmm. as a company and what I bring to the table and the culture I have and my fan base, like people love us, not everybody. Sometimes
0: we get some people, but that's, Not everybody loves Amazon. Okay. It doesn't matter how big you get. There are going to be people that just, you're not their speed. And that's why there are so many businesses in the world. Amazing. We love it. So I just think it's so good. I think I needed to have you on the show because you're so inspiring in so many ways and you really embody the values that I think a hapster is all about, which is someone who wants a big life and a big business. Someone who wants to be an example of what it means to work hard and play hard. Someone who is giving spirited and real and unafraid to fail and feel the shit out of their feelings. And someone who doesn't think that they are above or too smart or make too much money to get nitty gritty with other business owners, learn and give back and really trade ideas. Like I think about my mastermind that I paid $25,000 for six months, multiple rounds of, I thought of it not as like, oh, I get X number of sessions and coaching sessions, I thought of it as I get access to like the world's most designer closet of high quality thoughts. Like that's how I think of it, of exchanging thoughts that are so valuable, like you really, the price tag would be so out of your price range if you weren't swapping and exchanging these thoughts in a room. So good. Um, so is there anything else that you want to kind of leave hapsters with? Of course, we're going to link every uh, one of your multiple, oh, <laughs> <businesses, socials. laughs> mainly short to short cleaning. Uh, we didn't even talk about Let's Talk Dirty, which is a network of uh, of other cleaning companies that you run and you help support and elevate them, which is so fun. Do you want to talk a brief we, bit about we that. can do a
1: small little plug in um if you basically if anyone knows anybody locally that owns a cleaning company uh let's talk dirty is like a business development group for the industry it's every other month we're going to be meeting in person and i think i'm eventually going to make it hybrid so we can expand to outside long island but uh so it'll be february april june august there'll be let's talk dirty where we get to meet and get together and it's giving me some of the it's giving me really cool relationships with other local business owners and develop some neat friendships out of it too like i never expected to become friends with these women and like we go get lunch i did a podcast with one of the other cleaning ladies last week it was my first podcast ever I we did we talked for like three hours they actually hit pause we had a 30 minute <laughs> in between session and then we went back to recording and oh like, this may be two episodes or we may be bringing you back and it's just it's amazing and I love helping other people and sharing my experience because there's companies in other parts of the country that share their experience with me and help me grow. And um it's so valuable to me to have them as resources and then be able to be that a resource to other companies.
0: It's all about and I think one of the things that I'm just gonna we'll leave it on this, but one of the things that I love about you so much is that there's a time for free and there's a time for paid and i think that you know how to engage with both like in such a powerful way and i feel the same thing i'm always trying to help women understand like yes there is a time to give things for free and that doesn't mean that you don't also charge a can't have an expensive offer like I would say that yes my coaching goes into the category of high ticket and expensive and I think that that transaction is so important and at the same time I do this podcast I pay for it and it's it's free value that I'm constantly trying to think of like what else can I give them what else can I bring and with moguls of infinite opportunity you know that is a community that Daphne and I started from the ground up with our own money and we are so passionate about it. But it's like, how can I engage with that? And even with investing for your own self, you were like, I want to be friends with her. But you didn't just come to me and say like, hey, can I pick your brain? Let's go to coffee. you were like, okay, hey, I want to be friends and I'm going to come and I want to be a part of happening sessions and I want to learn there. Nothing is too high for you and nothing is too low for you. And something I say to my son as positive affirmations as often as I can is I'm not better than anybody and nobody's better than me. And I just think that you are such an example of that for future generations and for other women that are for sure listening to this podcast, kind of like in awe of you. So... Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope that you guys go and follow uh, Jean Marie over at Shore to Shore Cleaning. You can definitely refer uh, her all the business. I think eventually, even if you're listening to this in other parts of the U.S., maybe not in other parts of the world. I'm not sure. We don't know. Not yet. Maybe 20 years. (laughs) The (laughs) the rest of the world may be there. I love it so much, but thank you so much for, for sharing your, your heart with us and for really just being such a, such a special human being. Thank you for having me. This has been really cool. Yes. All right. Habsters. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Habsters. If you want to learn more about today's topic, head over to what's forward slash podcast. That's what's happening. dot com forward slash podcast. If you're a business owner and you're resonating with what we talk about here, what are you even doing? Come hang out with me over where the party's at on Instagram at what's happening W Again, that's happy H-A-P-P-Y-N-I-N-G and book a discovery call to see if coaching is your next best step.